God, you're so good. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for our forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Thank, thank you that we stand before you forgiven. Thank you that we can even speak to you and praise you right now. Thank you that we can join all the angels in heaven right now just praising you, telling you that everything's about you. Everything in this earth is about you. Everything that happens in this room is for you and for your glory. You are good. You are good. You are the only one we lift up today. We lift up the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Salvation is found in no other name, and it's in His name that we prayed this morning. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Wow. Thank you, worship team, Tiffany, for leading us into the presence of God. Gosh, I just heard a few reports of people this week. I mean, just some that are just blown away because it's been such a good week, like supernaturally good week. And then I heard a couple other people that were just like, eh, this was a rough week. And it, it's just, it just amazes me, like, just the differences in this room. Um, just, just from, you know, heard from brother today, I just found out I'm cancer free. You know, it's just right there. You know what? I, you know, I wasn't expecting this this morning, but I get so emotional about this because, you, you know, <laughs> no, because this is why I love being here is because that's an elder of your church right there, and he is setting an example of how we praise God in this room. Okay, it's not, you know, it's, it's, I, I picture, you know, Mary, when she was forgiven by God, just, you know, crying at his feet, washing his feet with her hair. Like, she's just like, God, I don't care what, I don't care how dumb I look or whatever, I'm scrubbing your feet. I'm blown away by what you've done in my life. And so often in church, we're so reserved, like, God, thanks for curing my cancer. You know, it's like, no, man, look at my life. Look at what you've done. You're amazing. Don't worry about what other people think. Man, that stirs our heart to see you worship like that. And go, no, I know what he's done in my life, and I'm going to proclaim it to everyone. I, I don't have to be here this morning, you know. It's a miracle of God. He's done amazing things, and we've got to just let it go. And just say, look, this is it. To be honest, you know. If crazy, amazing things happen, then praise it at the top of your lungs. Man, I was listening to someone speak yesterday. I just screamed as loud as I could, you know, just some things that were said 
Uh, yesterday I was in I was in Houston, um, you know where the Houston Rockets play, you know, speaking in that arena to uh, like 14,000 college students, just on fire for the Lord, just screaming, you know, with all, and I just get so excited about the future of the church when I see young people thinking that way and just saying, I don't care about me anymore, I'm ready to die to myself. And man, this is not a ritual we go through once a week. This is not a one hour service. It's about our whole lives. Everything has changed because of Him. Okay? And there's, there's, there's more going on than me looking at you and talking. God in heaven is literally watching us right now. Like He literally sees. He literally sees a man praising Him. He goes, yeah, that's my son. I did that for him. And, and, and he's coming back and thanking me. You know, that's, that's what this is about. Look, I, I'm, I'm so excited about this next series that we're doing right now, that we start this Sunday, called Life in the Kingdom. And I am not exaggerating. I thought this through. I am not exaggerating when I say the future, the whole future of ALCF depends on how seriously we take this one series. I really believe this. I really believe this. Because it's about how we as believers live with one another. It's, it's different. Life inside the kingdom is different from life outside of the kingdom. We, we should be shockingly different. Where people go, wait, what? how? See, the Bible says that we're supposed to be a light in the darkness. The church was supposed to be a light unto the world. And so people were supposed to look at how we interact with one another, that they, they, they see life in the kingdom, and they're supposed to get a picture, a glimpse, a light, and they go, oh, so that's how God intended human beings to live with one another. Okay, so we're not here to judge the world and go, oh, look at how they live. Look at what they show. Look at what they're smoking. Look at this, 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 this. No, it's supposed to be once they walk in, once they gather in one of our homes and see the way we interact, they go, well, that's the way. I get it. They may not want it, but we're supposed to give a picture of life in the kingdom. It's supposed to be shockingly different. If you're in darkness and suddenly you see a bright light, there, there's a shocking like, whoa, I can see everything now. Suddenly my eyes are opened. I get it. That's the way the church was supposed to be. But is that the way the world views the church currently? No, they walk into church gatherings and go, that is shockingly similar. The gossip's the same. The fighting's the same. The families are the same. The lies are the same. That's not what they were supposed to see. They, we were supposed to expose them to life in the kingdom. Like, okay, I know you, you're a part of a group, and every time you turn your back, they talk about you behind you. Well, that's not the way it is in here. Okay, this is a family. We've been supernaturally transformed and changed, so life is different for us. Man, and I... Man, I have dreams of God doing crazy things here. Crazy things in this house. Crazy things in your own house. Amazing things. Man, we want to reach people. But the first thing we got to do is clean out our own house, right? And say, you know, I, 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 one of my good friends, you know, years ago, he, he and his wife, they had this 
big ugly cat in their house. And it just stunk everything up. And I'm allergic to cats, certain ones, if they're big and ugly. And uh, my eyes start tearing up, the smell and everything else. And it's, it's like, you know, so he'd invite me over. I love the guy, but I just didn't want to go in his house. It just smelled. And I had to, eventually I just told him, you know what, you keep inviting me. I just can't go in there. It smells in there. I, I'm just being honest, you know, and if you invite other people and they don't come, it's probably because it smells. It's probably that cat. Get rid of that cat, you know, and maybe your room will be full during the Super Bowl party, you know. And, and in the same way, in the church, sometimes it smells. But we just got used to it. Like, I, I don't know, I guess I've just been living here so long, I got used to some things. And I didn't notice, and then someone else walks in and has to point it out to you and go, that's not normal. I don't think this is the way it's supposed to be. See, that's the idea of this series is, okay, what are those things in our house that aren't attractive? Let's change this. I mean, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that can, that can cleanse a man from any sickness and purify us from any addiction or anything that's been in generations in our family, it's like, that can be broken. I mean, if you, if you can take a dead body and cause it to rise from the grave, uh, I don't think you've got issues that are too big for him. And we as a church don't have issues that are too big for him. We've just got to keep believing that God is faithful, like we just sang about. He's bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger than all of that. He can do this. And that's what this is about. Look, I... I remember the first time. Um, I remember the first time I walked into this room. I, I think it was. I, I don't remember the date. It was like in May or June. I remember walking into a Sunday service and. Uh, look, I, I don't know how to talk other than just to say things, you know, like, um, and just lay it out. Um, It was weird for me. <laughs> um, I, I walked in and um, I felt a sadness. Okay? Um, I didn't walk in and go, wow, this is awesome. I've never seen anything like this before. No, I walked in and I, I just, I, I felt a little sad. I kind of just sat in the back. I don't think anyone knew I was there. I just looked around and um, first thing I noticed is, wow, this is a big room. Big room and just a small group of people. Um, and uh, I just began praying. Going, God, I, I want to I see life in here. Like, God, could you do something just crazy, crazy? And, uh, and I also, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to be known for our love. Like they're going to know you're my disciples. You're going to know that by the way that you love one another. It's like that reputation. And from an outsider coming in, you know, six months ago, the only thing I knew, and again, just shooting straight, only thing I knew about Abundant Life is, oh, that's that church that used to be big. They used to have a crazy great speaker. 
then he committed a sin, and then he took a bunch of people and started another church, and then they had another guy, and then they split again, and so there's a group of people still there in that big room. That's all I know. That's, that, that's, that's just the reputation, right? Let's just, here's an elephant in the room. Let's just throw it out there. That's, 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 all, that's all we know, okay? So when, when an outsider hears Abundant Life, ALCF, this is what goes on in their head. It's like, oh, that's a church that used to be big. They used to have a bunch of people because of the speaker. He committed to, you know, da, 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 and here they are now. That's the reputation. And so I'm back there, and I'm in here, and I'm going, gosh, it's just feeling, I saw sadness on people's faces. I saw, like, oh, I remember the way it used to be. And that, that was just this look of this, oh, gosh, kind of this painful look. And yet, I read the title, Abundant Life. I'm going, okay, you know, we can call it that. And I began to pray. I just, I just started praying. And I go, God, I want to be here. I, I want to I be here because I want to see you do a miracle. Okay, this morning in my Bible reading, I don't know how many do that read through the Bible in a year, but it's, it, it was on Exodus. And it was, you know what, they're, they're backed up to the Red Sea. And, and it's like, I want to I be there. I want to be at that point where it's, whoa, what's going to happen now? Like, we're stuck. We're stuck. There's, there's nowhere. We, we've gone through so much, but we're stuck now. It's like, I want to be there in those places and see that God is faithful and experience his power. And I'm going, God, I really want to be here, and I really want to see a miracle. But the miracle... What I pray for, what I prayed for six months ago and what I pray for today, the miracle is not, hey, let's get another speaker, put him up there every Sunday, you know, and he can give his 20 best messages week after week after week. Let's get a crazy, let's spend some serious money, get an even, you know, more musicians and more everything, and let's, let's do all this and, and let's advertise and let's get all of this going on. And I bet you we could fill that thing up again. And I go, you know what? I bet you we could. Is that a miracle? No, that's just marketing. You know, I go, God, I want to see this. I, I want to see, I want to see your spirit fall on them, the, the, the people. Where, where suddenly it's no longer, oh, ALCF's a place where we go and we come and we sit in a service and we, we, we love the good music and, and, and there's a great sermon and, you know, and that's what we're known for. I go, no, God, that's not a miracle. A miracle would be if the people actually, you know, were filled with the Spirit, like all of you. And suddenly you looked around and you're like, I love these people. I adore these people. I will forgive these people. I will put up with anything with these people. I'm going to walk in and see how I can encourage these people. Like there'd be such a love where we walk in and it's like, man, I'm looking for people who are in need. Everyone is looking for people who are in need. Man, can I help you with anything? Can I do anything for you? I'd like to get to know you. You got any plans for lunch? You got any plans for dinner? How's your family? What can I pray 
for you about. And everyone that walks in is just like swarmed with this love. And then throughout the week in our neighborhoods, we're, we're getting together with one another like they, they do in Scripture. Just like they did back then. And they got together just to pray. Go, man, we don't need a big speaker. We don't need a great worship leader. Like, we just love to get in the presence of Almighty God and pray for one another. You know, I, I, I said, God, that's the miracle I want to see. And that's what the elders have been praying for. That's why I know we make announcements up here and say, oh, yeah, join a growth group. You guys, there's so much behind that. This is not just about, oh, okay, can I meet midweek also because i got nothing to do on Wednesday? No, we're talking about living out this book, Life in the Kingdom. Because honestly, Sunday mornings, we can't get to know each other. Okay? Like you're not going to know all the prayer requests in here and everything else. We're just saying, how about if in the neighborhoods we could get people to actually live like family? You know, like everything the Bible calls us to do. We do not just call each other brother this and sister this, but really live like brother and sister and care for one another. And, and suddenly our neighbors look in our community and go, man, what do you guys do? When you, man, and, and no, just come over to my house, hang out with us. Man, you know, this sister's got this problem. This brother's got this problem. We take care of it. We help them out. We do this. We pray. Supernatural things are happening as we pray. I mean, crazy answers to prayer happen as we pray. Like for those things to start happening in the neighborhood, that's why I'm saying, look, this is not just about another sermon series. And this is not about getting in a small group so we can critique a sermon. It's about, no, we're talking about life in the kingdom. Let's just live this thing out. Let's just supernaturally become one and so in love with people. And I know some of you are not looking for that. You just want to come to a service. I'm saying we're not really interested in that. We're interested in kingdom living, like where we live it out 24-7. And suddenly you know the people and you become one with the people. And the world looks on and says, this is so different. No one gossips. Man, this is so different. You don't just come in thinking about yourself you guys think about each other. You care about each other. You don't talk behind the leadership's back. You're actually praying for them and loving them and encouraging them. This is insane. I mean, we live in a world where everyone hates authority, and you love your authority? You love being under the authority of God? You actually love the protection of your elders and pastors and trust them? Like, this is weird. You, you actually are, are thinking about someone else's kids when your own kids have problems too. You, you guys, you're, you're, this doesn't make sense. You're loving your enemies? You just blessed him? He cursed you. You just bought him a gift certificate for dinner after he did that to your son? That doesn't make sense. And you go, no, that, yeah, nothing makes sense. We're not supposed to make sense. You know, if we make sense to the world, then something's wrong with us. Something's wrong with the church if we fit in. No, we are supposed to be shockingly different. So, again, I'm just saying, this is not supposed to be just another sermon series. To me, I go, this is it. Here it is. Here's the line in the sand. Are we going to live this thing out and be the church or not? This is it. 
Are we going to live like life is supposed to be lived in the kingdom? And the number one thing, the first topic we're talking about in this is what we're doing the one another's in scripture. And this week is on forgive one another. This is where it starts. Forgive one another. This might be the cat that's in the room that's driving everyone away. Is, uh, man, our lack of forgiveness. Okay, I know. Every movie I watch, okay, I, uh, all right, I'll just confess. Yesterday I was on an airplane flying back, and I just watched an old classic movie. I probably, I don't know if I should have or not. I'd never seen it. I just heard about it all the time, so I finally just watched it because you're on an airplane. I was tired. It was The Godfather, okay? <laughs> I'd never seen The Godfather. It's such a cool movie, right? It's, like, it's just so cool. It's just like, all right, go kill him. You know, it's just, you know, it's every, but that's, it's the same theme of every movie that's made. Is something's done to you, it's like, okay, forget about it. You know, go, go kill him, shoot him, you know, take care of it. You know, it's just back and forth. Every movie, every culture is about revenge. Man, and I've heard every excuse why people are still angry. And it's all, it's, so often it's about nationality. They go, you don't get it. I'm Irish. And Irish, man, it's just in our blood. No, you don't get it. It's because I'm Italian. No, it's just in us. Oh, no, no, no. It's because I'm Asian. You know, Asians, we don't forget. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a black man. I'm a, I'm a black man. And we, this is the way we deal with things. Oh, no, it's because I'm Hispanic. It's in my roots. It's, it, you know, it's just like, can we just say it's because we're human? Okay. It's not your nationality. It's not in your bloodstream, you know. It's just, we love revenge. We dream about it, you know. It's like, man, tell me you don't dream about it. You know, something, it just, because we don't take our thoughts captive. And the world has shown us all these movies. Here's what you do when someone does this to you. And we're sitting there just watching like, yeah, come on, get them. Get them back, get them back, get them back. And yet scripture says, hey, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. That's not what I asked you to do. That's, that's, that's what they do. Life in the kingdom is shockingly different. We're like, what are you guys doing? Why, did you, why didn't you, you could have sued him back. Man, he just took that, why did you give him your coat also? That just doesn't make sense. I want to read a, I had a five point outline, it was a good one too, but you know, forget it. I, I just, I just feel like, you know, a lot of times we depend on these, this, this, okay, what's point two, what's point three, let me fill in the blank and do the church thing. And truth is, is I ought to be able to read a passage of scripture and all of us just tremble at it. Like, God said that? All right. You guys are dismissed. You know what you need to do. You know? Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 is a parable. These are the words of Jesus. Um, So I know we take the whole word seriously, right? Everything in this book is God-breathed. 
Okay, but let's face it. When Jesus says something, it's just, I don't know, maybe there's just a little bit, to me, it's, it, it, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's Jesus. Okay, we're here for him. And these words came out of his mouth. And so I know this is all the word of God. But uh, let's, let's also keep in mind that this is the word of God as it came out of the mouth of Jesus. That's, that's all. In fact, can, can we just stand as I read this? Because I want you to honor these words more than any of my words today. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Need I say more? I can't say it again. Let's read it again. 
Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I, I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I'm just going to stand, let's just stand in silence for a moment. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm not even going to direct you. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you right now and direct your thoughts, direct your minds as we just close our eyes and tremble at his word.
Father, purify us by your word. Get rid of that junk that's in our hearts. We don't want to think like the world thinks. God, we need a miracle from your Holy Spirit to replace bitterness, years of abuse, anger, thoughts of revenge. To replace that with, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The love of Christ. May it start in this room, Father. If there's any lingering unforgiveness, bitterness, lack of love, that you would end it by the power of the cross, by the power of the resurrection. We don't want to be like that wicked servant who was forgiven and then refuses to forgive others. We don't want to be in his shoes. So help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can have a seat. This morning, I uh, I prayed, and I it's just me, you know. Like I always got notes with me, um, but sometimes the Lord just stirs me a different direction. But I can't tell if it's the Lord or it's just a weird thought. And you you pray, and you go, God, I don't I don't know if this is really you. You ever do that? Like it's like I can't tell. I mean, they're both good things. I got a crazy good sermon, but I also have. And, and, but this other thought came to my head I said, that, that, God, maybe I'm not supposed to do my sermon. Maybe I'm just supposed to read the passage like three times and then have the people deal with it. But I don't know. So I came up here and I just say some things, you know, and still not knowing. And I read the word and and then you say, read it again. Yeah. All right, that was you. Okay, so you know, I, I. Why would you say that? You know that, that like, you don't just say that in church. Hey, read it again. You know, it's it's just, <laughs> you know, you, you just go. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a clue here, God. I'm just gonna assume that was from you. So I'm gonna read it again. Listen to the word of God. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And how many times is he going to sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he went he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in, hang in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So what are you going to do about that? See, this is where I think sometimes sermons get in the way. I could go here and explain, well, let me explain what a denarius is, and let me explain a talent, let me explain what a... You really want to hear that all again? Is that really the issue? And then we go away going, gosh, I learned what a denarius is. Instead of going, I think I forgave this guy, but honestly, from the heart, uh, I don't know. And the, the Lord's Prayer Forgive us our debts as? You're telling God, okay, whoever it is that's on your mind right now, you're telling God, forgive me the same way I'm forgiving him. You're asking for that. And that's why he's saying, look, this is what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. The Son of God has spoken today. And I was racking my brain this morning. God, who? Is there anything? Is there anyone? Because I don't want to do this. I don't want to get up there and have unforgiveness in my heart. We're about to take communion. Look, don't take communion until you, you know you've forgiven your brother from the heart. Don't do it. Seriously, this is a warning. You guys... God even says in 1 Corinthians 11 to the Corinthian church, he goes, you know why some of you died? You know why some of you are sick right now and some even died? is because you took communion in the wrong way. I mean, are we taking this the word for the word? Like, do you believe today, this morning, someone could die? 
because they don't take communion the right way. Do you believe what we read? That the Heavenly Father really would say, look, I, I told you I'd forgive you of everything and then you held on to this? Do you know how that made the church look? It's like no one wanted to go in there because of that, that smell, that stench of unforgiveness. You did that to my church after I forgave you everything. I, I said, it's done, it's finished, to tell us die. It is done. Man, it's over. The sting of death is gone. Look, my son just took the stinger. That bee flies away and dies now. Death is done. He, he took it for you. Your debt is paid for. You don't have to. I did that for you, and then you went and did that? And then you prayed the Lord's prayer and said, forgive me like I forgive you asked for this, and then you took of communion the body and blood of my son, knowing full well you had this unforgiveness in your heart. Man, I want to come back sometime and preach that other message I got, because there's so many things I want to say, but that right now i got to just stop out of obedience to God and go, man, I want us to do this the right way. Okay? This isn't supposed to be a downer. This is one of those things where we can be free because his commands lead us to life. And it's like, ah, oh, that, that cloud is gone. That dark cloud is just gone. First, in your own forgiveness. Look, he came, this is so that we remember that we're forgiven. Okay? We just read God's word. The master really does say to you, everything, because you pleaded, because you saw your own debt, you know, and maybe some of you, the reason why you don't have this forgiveness in your heart is because you don't really believe in your own forgiveness. You're not just like rejoicing all the time, like I'm free. God's looking at me right now going, man, I can't wait to bring that guy home with me and give him all these riches. I know what he did in the past. It's gone. I know Francis. Look, I know Francis better than you guys know Francis. You guys think he's, oh, this goody two-shoes. No, I know the truth about him. But you know what? My son paid for it all, and I'm going to bring him home one day. I'm going to blow his mind with all the riches of the kingdom. You don't live in that type of security. So then when, when other people, you know, do something to you, you're just focused on it. And I'm just like, shoot, I, nothing's going to rob my joy. I'm forgiven. Man, everything's been taken away. At the cross, at the cross. It's done. It's done. It's done. But maybe for some of you, you've never experienced that. And that's why I'm saying, man, don't take of communion. Man, first commune with Jesus you know first you can be forgiven you can come right now okay if you right now you're still stuck in shame you're thinking you don't know what I did you don't know what I, that was the point of that parable that debt was unpayable there is no forgiveness there's no working off what you did you hurt people that are no longer with us anymore you can't make up for that you may have ruined someone's childhood. You can't make up for that. You can't pay that debt. You should be thrown in prison for the rest of your life. 
And But what does that parable teach? This master, because you didn't sit there and go, oh, it wasn't that bad, it wasn't that bad, I'll make up for it. I mean, no, he just fell on his face and said, I can't make up for it, all right? I screwed up. I screwed up. I can't pay this back. And you're telling me, you're, you're going to take my wife, you're going to take my kids, you're going to take my whole life, take everything I own. And make me, please don't do this to me. Have mercy on me. You can say that this morning to God. He knows everything. I mean, today, quit hiding, quit pretending. If you're rejoicing in God, then stand up and just scream. And, and if you just know, look, I screwed up. Yes. And I don't feel forgiven. Man, then be honest about that and walk away free. Totally don't just sit here and hide and go, oh, that's a good sermon, and walk away. Man, be completely free. And it's when you are free of all of that, then forgiveness becomes a lot easier. A whole lot easier. When you're living in that kind of joy, jumping around like, oh my gosh, millions of dollars have just been forgiven. 50 bucks is cool, I don't care. Whatever. That's kingdom living. And so if that's you and you're going, you know, I've never been completely forgiven by God. I never just pleaded with him. I never came like that guy going, okay, I get it. I kept trying to think I could be good enough or I've done more good than bad. You know what? I give up. You know what, God? Okay, here, I screwed up. Please, don't judge me. Don't destroy me. Don't torment me. Please, okay? I did it. I owe you. I have a debt that's unpayable. And our gracious master... At that point, we'll say, it's finished. No more debt. You walk away, paid off your mortgage, paid off everything. Just don't even think about it ever again. Don't live in that shame. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. And uh, amen.